Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, hey. Well, I wish I knew how to say hey, hey, hey in Greek. Um, just say it with a Greek accent. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what a Greek accent sounds like. They actually it sounds a lot like Italian when I heard people speaking. I was like, that sounds like Italian, but no I offense be- to any of our Greek listeners. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. I don't have a good scope of reference. Oh, man, your but, trip oh, looked I- amazing. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, we need to introduce ourselves. I'm Tiffany. I'm jealous. Oh, I'm Mandy. <laughs> yeah, and this is <laughs> Brown, Brown Ambition. Ambition. The Greek edition. No, honestly, I have to say, you ever have you ever been like, oh my goodness, I have a taste for something, and you're not really sure what, and then you order something or you eat something, and it's exactly what you had to taste for? Uh, yeah, sure. That's what, like, that's exactly how my trip felt like. Where it was like, huh, what should I order from the menu? Should I get a burger? Should I get this? Should I get that? You know what? I'm going to go with the fish. And it's like, oh, your mouth and your belly is like, yes, this is what we needed. Like, honestly, it's definitely, I would say, top five trips of my lifetime. And I've traveled to over 30 different countries, but definitely top five. Oh, my. What did you guys, like, what made it so special? Pray tell. Honestly, it was just because cause I, I've been to Santorini before. That's why I went this time. It was because a few things that it's so uniquely beautiful and like just so aesthetically pleasing to the eye. Santorini is very chill. Like there's a, a neighboring island. It's a um, so Santorini is part of like a series of kind of like Greek islands. So Mykonos, which is next to Santorini, is like the party island. But Santorini is not. So it's super chill. The vibe is super chill. The food was amazing. Um, it just was so relaxing. I mean, it was almost comatose. Like, and for the first time, like I did a ton of work before I left and I was like, everybody leave me alone unless someone is dying, then call the doctor and still leave me alone. Um, and so like I checked in kind of like twice in Slack. I was like, is anybody dead? And they were like, no. And I remember, um, Karen, who is my project manager said, Tiffany, if we have just like a quick question, can we ask it? I said, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, okay. (laughs) And so like literally I just checked in twice just to make sure because I knew, I thought I was like, is payroll coming up? So I wanted to make sure that like I didn't get like some notification that I had to make a transfer for payroll. So just twice, but I literally did like no work. Um, I think I opened my computer to like watch Netflix a little bit. Um, I used my, my phone as it was intended for Instagram. Um, (laughs) it was so amazing. I mean, it was just because it was so relaxing and I didn't realize just how 
much I needed to relax. And I just was so grateful. I came back feeling refreshed. Oh, that sounds awesome. I could cry listening to you talk about that. I feel like I feel like I was asking my husband, I was like, when's the last time we did a vacation that was actually a vacation that we wanted to take? It wasn't like a wedding or a family reunion. Mm-hmm. And legit, we haven't been anywhere since our honeymoon, um, like a year and a half ago. And I was like, how did that happen? You travel a lot. So it feels like, oh, I do go. And you're like, no, that was for work. India was cool, but that was for work. Georgia yeah. was cool, but that was for this vacation, this, you know, this wedding or funeral or whatever. Yeah, I also talk myself out of it way too much. I got to get better about that. I feel like a lot of our listeners probably do the same thing where I'm like, it's okay. One more month. Next month, I'm going to go. The month after that, I'm going to go. That's what I've been saying. I've been having the exact same conversation with myself since probably January. Like I've almost planned three or four vacations in the last mm-hmm. eight months. And I'm like, this it's got to happen. Like September, it has got to happen. October. But here I am doing it again. I'm like, maybe not September. <laughs> maybe October is better. Like... Um, yeah, it was everything. I went to a black sand beach, which was epic. I took like a um, a boat tour on like this thing that looked like a pirate ship. It was, <sighs> I want to go back. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to like steal your shine, but I did go to Minnehaha Falls in Minnesota this weekend. And uh, well, that was Minnehaha. <laughs> Minnehaha for the, uh, the Nineman family reunion. Uh, yes. Okay, <laughs> Minnehaha. Which honestly was like the most stressful travel trip of my life. And I don't even know what Really? I heard Minnesota's yeah. beautiful though. Oh, you know, it's cool. I did go to the Mall of America a bunch. Um, yeah. Is it huge? It's pretty big. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> like, you see me trying to be nice, but is it huge? <laughs> oh, but yeah. No, but yeah. I'm back. And meanwhile, I came back to 300. You know, typically I keep my emails like around, hovering around 30 or 40. I came back to like 350 emails. Because, like, apparently they were trying something out. They were trying out a new email system. And my project manager told my my um, my my assistant, like, I got the emails. But she was like, wait, what, is, wait, what does this email do? Wait. And I came back and I was like, why? Why? Why are there so many emails? <laughs> Don't feel sorry for you. You had a week in Santorini. Yeah, I spent all <laughs> Sunday. Like I woke up because I had jet lag. I woke up like Sunday at like three a.m. By eight, I was still sitting by the computer. Like my my life is emails because I was like, I'm not going into Monday with a bajillion emails and like starting the week off like this. So oh, yeah, I, I love, was like, welcome home. I love pre pre Monday work Sunday. <laughs> right? Yes, I do. I do that too. I don't think it's. Uh, I think when you have time, I don't know. It makes it, if I can do one or two hours just to feel a little bit better on Monday morning. I think it's worth yeah. it. It is honestly, yeah. and I do. I am. I pregame on Sundays all the time because I'm like, what you're not going to do is kill me on Monday. You're not going to kill me Monday. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, no, honestly, I'm glad to. I'm glad to be here back though. I'm glad to have you back. And hey, you didn't even miss a show. You're so good. Exactly. Um, let's hit up the the social media real quick. I know we have some posts, some people yes. reacting to last week's episode, which if you didn't listen, go listen. We talked about how my disc assessment training changed my life forever as a manager. And I was surprised to see some people actually have taken the disc training because I had never heard about it until we took it up at my at my company. And a couple of listeners we had at who that lady row said, Mandy Woodruff, listening to this week's BA podcast, I heard about DISC from the Manager Tools pod, and we did it as a department. I agree 100%, highly recommend, and it totally changed the way I communicate at work. I knew you were a high C. Yes, I'm a high C. I'm a high C and S, and it nailed me as a perfectionist. 
And another tweet from at K Nary Speaks, Christy Calvert, she says, at the BA podcast, I listened to the podcast today and I can't get its love out of my head. Thanks, ladies. I love this song. Wait, did we sing that song? I, you know what? First of all, I <laughs> let me tell you, I what's hilarious is that somebody was like, yo, I can't get Be Best out of my head. I thought that was... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's listening to an old episode. I don't remember singing that song. I don't remember either, but you know we're always singing. <laughs> digging in the archives, digging in the archives. Someone else on, and skipping over to the gram, we had one listener. So at Nacho and Nacho Sanday, um, at Nacho Sanday said, so I did a dis- assessment at my last job and it confirmed everything I said about my work style and added some surprising stuff uh, as well. Yes, be best. People love the disc. Um, are you gonna yes. do, when are you going to do disc assessment for um, the Budget Nisa crew? Honestly, at this rate, I'll never dig my way out of what uh, we already have going on. But I do want to do, you know, we might do it at the um, retreat. We have a, a retreat next month. Oh, might- perfect for a retreat. Mm-hmm. Totally perfect. There is a, I put a link to the last week's show notes. Um, it's episode 139. I put a link to, there is a like shorter version because some people pointed out that disc is like 200 bucks if you buy it piecemeal, like on your own, um, which obviously is a lot for a personality test. Um, but Tony Robbins, self-help guru has like a mini version of disc on his website and it's free, but just know if you sign up for it, you're giving your email, you're going to get all his junk mail. So I might, you might, you might do what my husband did, which is sign up real quick with a junk email and then like, just let the emails flood that junk account. Yeah. And a lot of people have like a junk, you have a junk email account. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. It's what I give people at checkout and it's what I give just any time I know I'm going to get signed up for some newsletter, but I want to save 10% or whatever. Smarty yeah. yeah. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Time for brown break, brown boost. Ooh, you know what I'm going to take? I know what I'm going to do. Sorry, I just thought about it because I just saw some shadiness on, I was in the Twitter streets looking um, at our brown ambition folks that have been writing us. um, And I realized that um, uh, there's some Twitter beef going on. So I'm actually going to take a brown break from Twitter boost, from Twitter beef. Because it just seems so ridiculous. So, you know, Nicki Minaj, I'm sure you're aware because you're a millennial. Heard of her. Right. So did you know that Nicki Minaj had an ex-boyfriend that she was with for a very long time? Some people even say maybe that was her secret husband. His name is Safari. Are you aware? Uh, no. Am I in trouble if I say no? (laughs) 
You are the oldest, yeah, oldest millennial of time. So, anyway, Safari, okay. who has been on Love and Hip Hop, I know, I know all the drama because this is what I do when I'm not doing work. I need some ratchetness. Anyway, so I don't know what happened, but they've been going back and forth at each other on Twitter for no apparent reason. And Nicki Minaj is successful. She's beautiful. She has a new album out, and it just doesn't make sense to. I don't know, fight on Twitter and social media. So I just want us all to take a brown break. Wait, who's she fighting with? Safari. I don't know. They've they oh, broken okay. up. They broke up years ago. And so it's just okay. foolishness. Which made me think to myself that, you know how people are like, um, they'll address like, you know, their um, their audience and say, when someone says X, Y, Z to you, or they'll address some negativity or whatever. And I always think to myself, is this really worth it? Like, you know, like social media beef, you know? I just feel like, like, it just even with our current, you know, commander in chief um, addressing a woman as a dog on Twitter. So I just want us all to take a brown break from from social media um, um, beef because it just is like it lives on forever and it's so ugly and so unnecessary. You know what I mean? All right, I'll stop calling you trash on Twitter. Hide <laughs> your back. <laughs> Ooh, I see you at, at me though. At, <laughs> at me though. <laughs> um, yeah. Who has time for Twitter? What about me? Um, so I'm going to give a brown. So one thing I, I really give kudos to this weekend. So my, my poor uncle, we, I remember I said I was at the Nineman family reunion. That's my grandma's side of the family. God rest her soul. So my uncle was in charge of bringing all of these photo albums, like compiling all the photos from the family onto some flash drives and onto laptops and stuff so we can set them up at our little reunion party. And the poor guy um, had to check his bag at the airport and ended up getting lost. The bag did not make it to the carousel, either that or someone stole it off the carousel in Minneapolis. Uh. But fortunately, I mean, unfortunately, because you can't replace, you know, the the flash drives with the photos on them or the laptop even, but um, his credit card had lost baggage um, protection and a lot of good travel cards have this. And I think he's covered for um, some of the monetary value of the possessions that he lost, which is pretty dope. So if you ever That's lose good. your baggage, check your check the credit card that you use to pay for the flight and see if you have baggage protection because it's a nice little perk is that like do you know what kind of card he had i didn't ask him but i know for example that the the like if you're paying an annual fee for a travel card it's highly likely that they have some type some type of lost baggage um protection who does ours you know we have the adventure jump on a plane and jump out an airplane um card remember i never know the name of our card the good I'm time like, card <laughs> yeah. it says adventure card you're like oh is there an adventure card no I wasn't aware let me bookmark that to check during the show and i'll check i'll let you know okay but i'm pretty sure it does but i don't want to misspeak okay okay all right well do we have questions question how you gonna da, 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 da? name yeah. that band mandy name it name it you have five seconds that's a song Oh my gosh! Question: How you gonna da 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 da? Wait, that's okay. That's Destiny's Child, but you didn't do them justice. <laughs> <laughs> I had to work really hard <laughs> to put that in the right key. Oh my god! Yo, I am off key like a mug. It's okay. Oh my gosh. Anyway, question. So our first question comes from listener Michaela. She says, "Hey ladies, I love the podcast. You guys are truly goals. Um, I think this may be a case by case situation, but how much did you?" Did you all or would you have liked to have saved by age 30? Sometimes I feel like I'm rushing and my loans feel crippling from time to time. Can I vacation, purchase a home, and pay back my loan my loan debt? 
from Michaela. So basically how much, how much, so we're both over 30, but how much did we have saved and how much do you wish you could have saved by age 30? Let me tell you what I had saved at by age 30. I had negative 300,000. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like legitimately, I owed a mortgage that I had foreclosed on. I had a um, $50,000 student loan debt. And I also had like 30 something thousand on like credit card debt and some other debts. Basically, yeah. So it was like a little over 300,000. That's and at age 30. Well, my, on my tw- 29, turning 30th birthday, I had to move back home and sleep in my middle school bed. And I stayed with my parents for about a year. So that's what my life was looking like at 30. So ideally, I probably would have liked to have, I don't know, like maybe like $50,000. So fifty to 100000 I guess. Like not necessarily saved in cash, but like cash, retirement, like, you know, like assets, I, I guess. But honestly, 30 for me was such a crazy time because it was like the height of the recession. And so I was just trying to be like, hmm, beans and rice or just rice? <laughs> fair enough fair enough and um yeah well 30 was so long ago <laughs> um it was a year ago um so about a year ago if I'm not counting um so I I didn't have debt when I was 30 and I I did start contributing to a 401k when I was about 24 and I didn't mention Michaela says she's 22 so she has eight years um I was around her age when I opened up my first 401k and I had been slowly steadily paying it off and my income had gotten increasingly bigger over the years. And by 30, I would say I had saved about, with 401k and my cash savings, a little under $100,000 at age 30. Um, But that that may sound like a lot of, I mean, it is a lot, but I think I only got there because I started saving so early in my 20s. And I wasn't earning very much when I was saving, but I'll tell you what happened. The timing was perfect for me. So I started saving in like 2010 at the bottom of the market. And so what happened is, like, I can tell you one of my accounts I haven't even touched since I left um, my job that I first opened my 401k. I just kind of kept it in my Vanguard account. And it has made money, 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 nothing but money um, in the years since the recession because the market has improved. We just, Mm. yeah, it's been a really strong stock market lately. So everything I had invested at a low cost back in the, like, 2010 has just, like, boomed since then. And I couldn't predict that, but I'm so happy that I started investing early because my money's had time to grow um, over time. So, Well, aren't you a lucky ducky to have invested at the bottom? Meanwhile, I was like, let's <laughs> see. I timed the market just right to be like, let me get it at the very top and crash. Ooh, this is a fun ride down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, I don't know, you, you turned out fine. I think you're fine, Miss Santorini. Yeah, well, yes, I mean, I definitely was, you know, but it was, yeah. So I say there's no real rhyme or reason. Like, you know what? Honestly, this is a perfect illustration, right, Mandy? So you were, you know, you got into the market, perfect timing, and it worked out great. I got into the market, the worst timing, and it still worked out great. So I guess I hope the lesson in all of that is really just like that it's not so much, it's not so much the things that you can't control, it's the ones that you can. So I lived really simply, um, I saved, 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 and I began investing. And it, it took me really until like 35, until I was a place to really be able to have enough to start investing. And now that I'm 38, and, and I'm, I'm more than fine. So I don't, not, I mean, the earlier you can start, the better, but it's never too late to do something. And it doesn't mean it's the end of the world just because something bad happens. 
Yeah, there's there's like really there's rule of thumbs out there. Like I was when I got Michaela's question, I remember JP Morgan Chase puts out this annual guide to retirement. And in this guide, they have this chart and it's kind of like find your age and then find your income. And then, you know, you find the point on the chart and it kind of tells you what your target savings goal should be. So for example, if I'm age 30, I'm going to put this chart in the notes of the podcast. But if I'm age 30 and I'm earning $75,000, this guide says I should be saving at least 1.1 times that household income. So what's 1.1 times over? So just about um, one year salary. So 75,000, beep, boop, beep, boop. That's 82500 That's how much you want to have saved by that time. Now, if you're listening right now, I know a lot of our listeners are in their 30 and they're in the car right now sweating. Um, if you don't have that much saved in retirement, it's not meant to make you feel bad. If you're saving anything at all, it's better than, you know, obviously saving nothing. But it's nice to have a goal to aspire to. Um, it's nice to have something to want to achieve. But if you're like Michaela, and one thing that she also mentioned in her note is that she has about $50,000 worth of student loan debt with auto debt, it may not be possible to put that much money aside by age 30. Maybe the next eight years for you are more about hunkering Mm -hmm. down and paying off that debt first because you have to look at paying off debt as a form of wealth building as well. I was lucky second times over because I went to a state school and I only graduated with $7,000 in student loan debt. So I didn't have the big you know, student loan debt holding me back. Um, and I completely, I recognize that privilege. I recognize that fortune because I know like a lot of my friends um, are struggling because they, you know, had more student le- student debt than I did. Um, and you're, you're only 22. You have so much time ahead of you. Yeah. So I would but say- Honestly, I would use this time, like Randy said, use this time to pay down debt. Use this time to stack, 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 save, 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 so you can invest, quite honestly. Exactly. And even if you're paying off your student loan debt right now, which is good, you know, continue doing that. Um, you don't, that doesn't mean you, doesn't mean that you don't need to open up a 401k. You can open up your 401k. Like if your company offers a match, at least contribute enough to capture the match and then, um, you know, p- contribute what you possibly, as much as you possibly can to your 401k. Um, and then continue like increasing it as your debt starts going down over the years. Yeah. But, it, but all in all, if you put the work in, usually something good comes out. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so next question comes from listener Ashlyn. That's a cool name. She says, I'm Ashlyn and I'm brown. Okay. <laughs> no, she, wait a second, there was instructions. She said, please say this in a happy voice. I'm Ashlyn and I'm brown. Yes, Ashlyn. So I have a quick wedding question. Ashlyn says, I recently got engaged and I've become low-key overwhelmed with wedding planning. The wedding date is March 30th, 2019. Before the engagement, I never wanted a big wedding. But girl, things have changed. Ooh, ciao. I can just tell the parents are here. I can I just feel it coming. <laughs> Things have changed. We are expecting at least 200 or maybe a little more. My parents are pastors, guests yeah. at the wedding. Yeah. Ouch. That's like twice my wedding. I know you both understand me when I say weddings are expensive. I want a nice wedding, but I don't want to live in poverty. Fair enough. How do we um uh what Oh, as newlyweds, what would you suggest regarding how to plan a nice wedding without breaking the bank? Any suggestions regarding how to effectively plan a budget-friendly honeymoon would be appreciated as well. So um, how about those 200 people? Can you, yeah. can you cut like 75% of them? <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's just there's no way to have a relatively um, inexpensive wedding and have 300 people. I mean, like, eat, like what a, it's not going to be $5 a person, you know? So I mean, some people won't. Well, have to, why, how much? How much do people cost per person for your wedding? 
Um, I think about $100. Actually, I'm not, I don't think, I know. $105 per person that covered food and open bar and the venue and all that kind of stuff. So believe me, when, when people didn't show up, I, I, ta- I calculated how much money was spent um, per Ooh, person. Oh, yeah. And that sucks when people don't show up. Anyway, they owe you money. But yeah. I, I'm the worst person to ask because, honestly, I refuse to participate. I was like, I, sorry, guys, just clapping, refuse to participate. <laughs> I refuse. Well, well you enjoyed and, that chicken biscuit bar at my <laughs> wedding, didn't you? I sure did. <laughs> honestly, yo, I'm not going to lie. Mandy's wedding. Like, hands down, definitely top three weddings of all time for that, <laughs> that I've been to. It was so much fun. But, and, and honestly, it, and the reason why I didn't have one is not because I didn't, you know, I don't like nice things. I honestly hate planning events. I hate being the center. Like, if I'm speaking, that's fine. But I don't like personally, as Tiffany, being the center of attention. I felt so uncomfortable the whole time. So I was like, okay, guys, bye. Okay, guys, bye. So, um, yeah, that's why for me, it, you know, I spent $2,500, a friend of mine, let us use her restaurant. It was like a Wednesday. And um, and I got married at Justice of the Peace. And I had literally like, Mandy, how many people would you say? Was that like maybe like 30, 30? people? Yeah. Yeah. 30. And that was it. Like, you know, we bought liquor from wherever. I'm like, do we even have liquor? I don't even know. Um, I just was like, can you guys go home? I hate this. So, um, but I say this, that uh, I would list the things that are the most expensive parts of your wedding and figure out how you can like dress um, alcohol venue and figure out like, what can, what can you do? What unique things can you do to keep these, these costs down? Because that's where, well, I mean, I guess you say, Mandy, like what, where were the places where you could kind of say, well, you know what, if we pull back here, we could still have something Mm -hmm. really nice over here. Yeah. A couple of strategies we use. So our, our wedding really wasn't unaffordable. I mean, one, we had the wedding that we wanted. So for me, the money that we spent was worth it in the end. So I think what happens if you're not having the wedding that you want and you're spending money on it, it just makes you feel like crap afterwards. So I would say take control early and set barriers, set ground rules for your parents who want to keep adding guests. Um, talk to your parents. If they're going to be adding guests, see if they'll actually pay for their um, pay for the cost of adding them to your reception because that's where the real money is spent at the reception. So one area that we definitely cut was on the flowers. We decided early that that's not any money that we wanted to spend. So we just, like for my rehearsal dinner, my friends bought flowers from like the grocery store and they looked really nice. Let me just tell you. And they um, were beautiful. I mean, I was going to say, I didn't even notice like no flowers because it was so, it was like twilight and you had beautiful flowers. It was beautiful, honestly. Though You picked a, such a great location in Savannah, which is like one of my favorite American cities that it just, it added to like the ambiance. So I didn't, I didn't miss flowers. Yeah. And it, it, the, like the setting, you know, just having a destination wedding in general sometimes helps you trim the guest list naturally because fewer people are likely to travel. Um, and that's one way you could do it. If you, if you can get away with doing a destination wedding, that sometimes can be more affordable and you kind of pass the cost onto your guests, but then you can kind of bill it as, oh, you're getting an experience. Come to my wedding in, you know, Punta Cana or Florida or wherever. Yeah. Um, and what Tiffany did too, where you had a private wedding and then a, a bigger reception afterward, that's one idea too. Um, invite some people um, to, I don't know, maybe have a smaller, here's one way you can save. Like Tiffany, if you had, if you had had your, your reception that you had the day after, or sorry, the same day that you got married, if you did mm-hmm. something like that, like a small intimate dinner where you're paying for everyone's food yes. and liquor, and then afterward you have a bigger party you know, at a a public place where it's not like you're paying for food and drinks or anything like that. I like that. that. That's a nice idea. That could be, that could be one option too. Yeah. And honestly too, if you have the cash, like for the wedding, so let's just say you guys are saving and you have the cash, what I would do just because you asked about the honeymoon is I would 
um, use a travel card to swipe for things and then pay off the card and then, you know, it, earn the points to, 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 to get the flight for free. You know what? They mess you up though, because I thought I was going to do the same thing. I mean, I did end up earning a lot of points for my, for my wedding related expenses and stuff that mm-hmm. helped me pay for the honeymoon. But I found that a lot of venues will charge you like a 3% credit processing fee. Uh... So it, yeah. And at the most you're going to get 3% cash back on, on, on credit cards now. So it's like, it kind of negates okay. the value. So if just, just pay attention to that. Don't swipe if there's like, it, it'll, it'll take away the benefit if they charge a credit processing fee. So just keep that in mind. And I mean, you still have time to do um, what I did, which is take out a credit card that had a good sign up bonus. And then, um, you know, as long as you can afford it and you can fit it into your finances and then use it so that you have some points in the bank that you can then use and put toward your honeymoon in 2019. Okay. That's smart. But at the best, just barriers, man. Barriers, ground rules, keep the parents in line. Like, just take control. It's your day. Yeah. If, if you piss, I think people are so afraid to piss people off. And, like, you know, they want, we want to please everybody on our wedding. And it just so quickly can become everybody else's day but yours. And I'm really proud that we were able to keep our day about what we wanted and what we found valuable. And also, shout out to my family for not being ridiculous drama queens. Um, but if that's what, you know, you talk about your parents wanting to invite more people, just set ground rules, ask them to contribute, and don't be shy about it. Yeah, it can be crazy because uh, one of my friends got married and she cut her mother off from invitations. Her mother started photocopying them. It was like, mm, oh my god, I don't care what I don't care what they look like. I'm giving them to my friends. I was like, oh my, yo, her wedding was ridiculous. It was I had never seen that many people in one place. I'm like, this is a fire hazard, and she looked angry the whole wedding. And I was like, yay. Oh, my heart hurts I, for her. I know. Literally, I turned to my mom and I looked at her. I said, never. And she was like, I know. <laughs> I was like, we're not doing this. Uh, like I, I, this is crazy. She's like, it is. Honestly, her mother took it too far, but you know, it ended up well. She's got like three beautiful kids, and she's been married for like I don't know, ten years now. So it was one day, but I'm sure it's one day she looks back at it. And she's like, my mom's crazy. Yes. Well, good luck, Michaela. Or sorry, good luck, Ashlyn. Um, one last question. Let me take yes, one more. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one comes from listener Sherelle. Oof, okay. Sherelle says, when I was 21, dumb and in love, I made a terrible financial decision. As you do. As you do. (laughs) Do Yeah, how did you know? I knew. How did you know? I knew. Yes. So she says, my ex-boyfriend co-signed for my car because I didn't make enough money to get the car I wanted. He offered to do it. After I refinanced two years later, we broke up. But then after that, his credit sucked, and I decided to return the favor when he asked me to co-sign uh, a car for him. So she thinks so. She's paid off her car. Um, uh, ref, she refinanced out of her loan to get him off of it, and then he comes around later and asks her to to co-sign a loan for his car. Okay. Oof. So she says it's been three years since he's had the car, and he's never paid the car note on time, and has done and has multiple uh, multiple times asked for a deferment. I've pressed oh him God. about refinancing it so I can get off the loan, but he always says I'm working on it. Um, fast forward to today, I get an alert from Credit Karma that my 700 plus credit score has dropped to the 650s. Oof. Yeah, he's over a hundred, or sorry, he's over a thousand dollars past due on his payments right now. Part of me wants to tell him to turn the car in for repossession. And I'll have to swallow that because I made a poor financial decision based on emotions. So my question is, what's worse, a whole bunch of late payments or a voluntary repo? 
I'm going to have a nervous breakdown because I've worked so hard not to have lousy, lousy credit like the, like the rest of my family, and I want this situation to be over in the least detrimental way. I'd really love your guys' opinion on this. Ugh. First, I was like, yeah, he calls off you, girl. Yeah, that's his mistake, not yours. And I was like, <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. After they were broken up, that's so I, ouch. I, I, you know, I'm not going to I've never, I, uh, let me tell you, Superman and I got into like a, a very strong conversation when he wanted me to, well, it wasn't even, because the, the worst arguments are always the fictional ones. Like he was like, I would say, oh, I told him I would never co-sign. And that, can you imagine, we weren't even, there was nothing to co-sign for. Just the fact that I was like, for the fictional car that you're not getting, I would never co-sign when we were boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm. What? That's so terrible. If you're my girlfriend, I'm like, but you're not getting a car. So you have if one. If you're his girlfriend, what? Then I should co-sign. His other girlfriends have co-signed, and I said, and they were foolish. Oh, my Like, God. that's not... My dad always taught me that, like, you don't co-sign for everyone. He even told me, not even for your sisters, if they want to borrow money, then you lend in. If they don't pay it back, that's one thing. Okay, but don't co-sign for anyone. And I remember we got... It was like, it was like a week-long, strong debate over something we weren't buying. It was just the thought that I would never co-sign. He couldn't believe it. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because co-signing is you're attaching yourself to this person's decisions and you don't have as much control as you'd like. I mean, I don't know which one is worse. I mean, uh, uh, honestly, yeah, I don't. They're both going to hurt your credit. Like a voluntary repo is going to go on your credit report. Missed payments are going to go on your credit report. um, And they're going to stay there for seven years, which sucks. But I would say staunch the bleeding as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know how much power you have in it to, to initiate a voluntary repossession. Um, but just know with the voluntary repo, so what's going to happen is they're going to sell your car. And then if the loan balance is, if there's a loan balance left over, so let's say the car is only worth 3000 but he has a $5,000 loan, then you're still on the hook for that $2,000 payment. Um, so if you're really thinking about doing a voluntary repo, just be ready to help him pay off that debt. I mean, it sucks. It's it's either wait on him to get around to doing it or buy, like eat it, like you said, eat the fact that it was a bad financial decision and help him pay it off so that you can you know wash your hands and be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. So one, one major bump versus continue him continuously being late and late and late and late and dragging it out. I agree. But yeah, I mean, it's a good lesson. We've all, we all make financial mistakes. There's no way to avoid it. It's just, what do you do after you make them? Do you stay there and kind of like stewing it or you do take action? And the thing about it is I always say when it comes to budgeting debt or credit, if I had to have an issue, I'd rather a credit issue because there are things that you can do fairly quickly to raise your credit. Budgeting and savings and and debt take more time and discipline, if you ask me, than fixing credit. Exactly. Ooh, look at you. Exactly. We're all going to sound like my my sister's husband in a minute. (laughs) It finally got to me three years (laughs) in. (laughs) Uh, Do you have, do you have, um, 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 husbandisms that you say, you're like, when did I start saying this? (laughs) He's got me saying, come on, man. After Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And we say at the same time now, it's really, really bad. I got to stop saying it. I don't even know what something that Superman says, like, um, one of my friends said it, uh, well, one of our, like our, our couple friends. And she was like, oh my God. She was like, I was asking, what did I get that from? He's like, um, Superman says that. And he says, you know what? Whenever he's done, he's like, I'm just going to fade to black. You know, I'm just going to fade to black. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> That's a I'm good like, 
I know. So like, I heard her say it. I'm like, wait, fade the black. That sounds like Superman. She's like, I think that's where I got it from. I'm like, we all eventually sound like Superman. <laughs> but ooh. yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Remember I said I was going to give you the answer. So Chase, the card we're talking about, the lost baggage um, coverage. So the Chase Sapphire Reserve card is the one that we have. And it does have lost luggage reimbursement um, up to $3,000 per passenger. Yes. See, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a great little benefit. So keep that in mind. And it's no, it's another reason to book your travel with a travel credit card. Um, yes. Credit card in general, because you're on, you know, you might have more protections. But then if you get one with extra protections like that, it, it gives you that extra bit of security. I'm not going to lie. And I am not a huge Chase fan, but I do like that card. So because Chase has my house. So, you know, there's that. Think of it this way, like you're making money off of them and they're losing money because of you. Because as long as you are earning rewards and paying your balance off, like they're, they're, they're barely making money off of you. I guess, I guess they make a little bit every time you swipe your card, but you know, you're getting yours too. Yeah, I'm getting mine. I just don't have my house though, Chase. You forgot about that? The foreclosure? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to calm down. It's fine. I'm in a better space now. <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a awesome session of brown ambition thanks for calling it a session like therapy <laughs> you guys can always hit us we love 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 to get your messages um definitely tweet us at the ba podcast you can use the hashtag brown ambition as well because i look at that too hit us on twitter we are what are we on twitter well we just type in brown ambition at the um, ba podcast on twitter because we love reading your 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 tweets, your, your, not your Twitter. I meant to say IG. What are we on IG? At Brown Ambition Podcast. We're that too. So we love reading those things. So I just love, especially me. I'm like, ooh, yes. We out Sweet to The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.